0: Steve has asked me to come and talk to you guys this morning, um, continuing the series on uh, leaving an inheritance. And Steve started us about two weeks ago um, talking about what we are called to as believers, whether you are... um, Sorry, someone's phone's there. I feel like I'm going to step on it. so Sorry, I'm just going to move it over here. I move around a lot. Um, Called us... To what we, uh, as believers, what we're left, um, what we're called to leave as an inheritance, and that might be as a parent to your children, but that also might be as um, a ministry leader. You might be a life group leader, thinking about what inheritance, what legacy you want to leave um, for your life group. You might be the worship leader. What inheritance, what legacy you're leaving for the generations that come behind you? And and so last week at uh, church. Family holiday, we continued that discussion for those who were there. And we actually moved into legacy, not just inheritance. So what legacy is it that you want to leave for your family? And when we're talking about legacy, especially within the context of family, but also in context of ministry or your workplace, what we're talking about when we're talking about legacy is the big why. So it's the big big why of what we do. Why are we doing it? everything that we do around our family, everything that we do in our ministry, everything we do in our workplace should pass through the filter of why we're doing it. And um, this really brings uh, brings us to uh, today where I'm going to be talking about two of the greatest distractions in our modern time to leaving an inheritance and our legacy. And I think that we can all agree that um, technology and devices and social media are two of the largest distractions that we have to eyeball today, both as parents and as leaders, and as leaders in our workplace, to um, what might distract us from leaving an inheritance to our kids, our work colleagues and other people that we minister to. And the Bible doesn't directly address these things, surprisingly, completed around two millennia ago, but as we all know, those who love God's word understand and know that it's timeless, isn't it? So while we might look at it, I, you know, can't go to my concordance. Actually, I was looking at my concordance this morning and thinking, wow, this is the old, old Google, a Bible. I'm, like, looking for a, for a verse. I'm like, oh, it could, I could just put it into my phone and find it in Google. The concordance is the old Google. But um, as, as I was... Um, looking at God's word I thought this is just timeless and there's principles in here that we can apply to our modern life isn't there that's going to help us to um to help to navigate this situation so the first thing I thought of is going to Philippians 4 verse 8 um if we've got that up there on the screen it was the one that um oh there it is I lost my bible it's the one that uh Linda so beautifully read to us this morning, but I'm going to read it again. Do you know what? For ageing people up here with not such great eyesight, the lighting's not great for trying to read your Bible, but um, here we go. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And when we pass devices and what we might be reading on there, for some people, I was speaking to someone this week and they said that it's the news that distracts them on their device. Um, for other people, it might be social media. For our kids, gaming. Are they, if we pass them through the filter of what we're called to, to concentrate on, how do they measure up? How do they measure up in the why of what you're doing with your family and the people around you? So I just wanted to draw our attention to that this morning. But as as I was discussing with other people at church family holiday last week and reflecting on um, for myself what legacy I would like to leave for my family, it seemed like there were two themes that continuously um, were coming up. And those themes were a legacy of faith, right? I don't think there's a parent in this room that would say, is there any parents in here who don't want to leave a legacy of faith to their children? Okay, And the other one that um, seemed to come up quite a lot was a legacy of a relationship, a relational legacy. So maybe you want to have a legacy where your family is close to you. Maybe you want to have a legacy where your, your children are close to each other. And you want, to, you want those relationships to bind and to last down through the generations. And when as I was reflecting on that, I thought, I think this is a biblical concept. I'm, I'm pretty sure someone named Jesus said, love the Lord your God, with all your heart and love your neighbour as you love yourself. And so the the thing that resounds in us as a people, whether we know that their biblical biblical principles um, or not, is that in our inner being we want those things for our family. We want faith. We want them to love their God with all their heart, all their mind and all their soul, and to love others as they love themselves. They want we want them to love their siblings. Boy, sometimes in my house there's not a whole lot of love between siblings. I don't know what goes on in your house. I um, saw a meme one day that was, um, it had a wrestling thing. Like, they were, pe- and, like this is what it's like in at my house. And Pauline Scott was there that day and I said to her, this is actually what my house is like, right, Pauline? She's like, mm-hmm, it is. So sometimes I need to get into the wrestling ring and wrestle with them and tell them to love each other. But it's a biblical principle for our families to love each other. And if we want to leave a legacy of love, then we need to put some boundaries for ourselves and for our kids around what we're looking at and what they're looking at. And um, so, when we pa- again, when we pass those things through the filter of Philippians 4 verse 8, there's a lot of things that we probably wouldn't be turning our eye to. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that devices and social media have a really important part in our modern lives. I'm not saying to throw these things out the window, like businesses. um, Social media is fantastic for businesses. Social media is fantastic if you have a family that live a long way away to keep in touch. It can actually um, be something that causes those bonds to form but let's just use it in a way that's glorifying to God. Amen? Okay. So when we think about relationships, can anybody... I'm after a word here. I'm not quite sure if I'm going to get it, but I'm going to throw it out there. When we're talking about relationships, what is one very key thing in forming good relationships? Connection. Connection? yep. Time. Trust. Trust. and to have all of those things, as one thing that's vital in that. Love. Communication. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. They were all great words. You all get a gold star. But the word I'm actually looking for here is communication. And if we can go to... There's a scripture here. John the Evangelist, I think, had a really great view on this back two millennia ago. And um, in Second John verse 12 he writes, I'm going to read it from here rather than trying to find it in my bubble again. Um, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. I have much I could write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, instead I hope to visit and talk with you face-to-face so that our joy may be complete. This is a principle that John was eyeballing 2,000 years ago, and what a great principle for us to eyeball today. There's times when um, we need to message or we need to email. But I think that if John was around today, he might put it something maybe like this. I've got a lot I want to say to you but an email or a text message just isn't going to cut it. Can I call around and catch up with you? Can we grab a coffee? Yes. I love you and I really miss you. You know, this was written to a woman um, who John obviously really admired in how she'd raised her family. And he was saying, I actually have so much I want to praise about you. I've got so much I need to tell you about what a wonderful person that you are. But an email or a text message just isn't going to cut it. Let's have a coffee. I want to give you a hug and look at you face to face and tell you how I feel about you. And I know that there's people in this room today that there's people overseas that they want to do that with and an email and a text message is the only way they can do it. And that's okay. But if you've got a loved one that lives nearby, maybe sometimes just forget the text message and pop in and tell them face to face how much they love each other. And this is a principle that we can carry forth into our ministry. I know that in our code of conduct, um, you're actually signing to say, I will not um, have a conversation over message that would be better to do face to face. There's a reason for that. Because what we know about communication is that body language, intonation, the way we say things are so important. Compared to just the words. I was having this conversation with one of my kids, my seven-year-old in the car the other day. Um, He was asking me about something, and we were talking about body language, and I was driving the car and I said to him, Jeremy, I think you're really great. And I said to him, What do you think? What do you think? How do you feel about what I'm saying to you? And he goes, Oh, I feel like you're angry with me. And I said to him, why? I said, that I think that you're really great. And he said, yeah, but you, your face was all scrunched up and the tone of your voice was cranky. And I said to him, well, Jeremy, I think you're really great. How does that make you feel? And he said, wow, well, I feel like, Mum, I feel like you really value me. And you think, he might not have said value, but I really believe that you think I'm great. And I, at, at seven years old, I'm able to start to speak to him about how we say things the way we say them, the looking face-to-face through the rear-view mirror of the car, because <laughs> we are in the car at the time, how, how he is already interpreting my love for him by meeting me face-to-face. Yeah. Because he knows by looking at me that he really means something to me. And this is a seven-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. So as our kids develop, we need to encourage this in them. How many times on social media um, is there stuff on there that they can't, they can't understand or they can't filter or they just can't comprehend it because they're not seeing the person that they're speaking to? Face-to-face is so vital. In fact, um, I love this verse from Proverbs that we're going to bring up here. I love this verse from Proverbs. It's Proverbs 18, verse 2. <coughs> Okay? Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Okay, is there... A, is there does this sound familiar to anybody who's ever been on social media? <laughs> like, so I've commented on, like, a news thing or something before, and all of a sudden I've got somebody, like, slamming me, and I'm like, oh... That's not what I meant. I actually commented on something the other day that was a comment for someone else, but it, the person got tagged to it was like, I already know that. And I'm like, oh, I'm really sorry that it was actually for someone else, not for you. And he would have felt like, I was just trying to air my opinion, right? You're just trying to tell me that I don't understand what's going on. But the truth is, that's not what I was trying to do. I was trying to bring understanding to somebody, but because there was miscommunication, this adult thought that I was expressing an opinion. Now, if that's difficult for people our age to do, imagine how difficult that is for our children to deal with, especially people at that age, in that age group. I'm starting to move into talking about middle schoolers now. If We're talking about middle schoolers where they're developing their identity, who they are um, from the age 12, but this is a bit of a psychology thing. But from the age... 12 is the age of differentiation, right? And what that means in layman's terms is that from 12 years old through teen years, kids actually discover, I am not a part of my parent. I am separate to them. I have my own identity outside of the family. And so that's when they stop coming so much to you, maybe about stuff that they're dealing with and struggling with, and they're going out there for it, Right? They're going to peers, they're going to influencers, they're going to all of those places to find their identity and they're not coming to you so much anymore. And this is why it's important that we know where they're going. We know where they're going. And to help speak a little bit more into that, I'd um, like to invite Bronwyn Rapanica. A lot of you will know Bronwyn, but as she comes up, I just want to... Share a little bit um, about Bron. Bron is the learning support leader at Belmont Christian College. When our children started, come on up, Bron. When our children started at Belmont Christian College, she was actually leading. They had middle school back then, and Bronwyn was the leader of middle school. And I remember um, going to the information night for middle school or the introduction to middle school, whatever they called it at the time. And Bronwyn um, spoke about social media and devices. Just very briefly, I'm sure, Bron, but... No, no, I'm confidently sure. <laughs> but, um, but what Bronwyn had to say about that was so profound for me that it actually shaped the way that, um, that we as a family have dealt with devices and social media for our kids as they grow up. But the, but the other thing I want you to realise is if you don't have kids in this age group, if your kids are younger, if your kids are older if you don't have kids. These principles, while ballooned for this age group, are applicable to all of us as we navigate, as we navigate this world that we find ourselves living in. So Bronwyn, I just want to find the questions that I asked you. I'm sure you've got them in front of you because you're far more organised than what I am. But um, okay, here we go. So Bronwyn.
1: Sounds like I'm in trouble because my dad is the only person that calls me Bronwyn <laughs> and I'm into it. So Bron's fine. bronze fine. Bron?
0: Yep. <laughs> um, could you just explain to us what the pressures of this age group face socially at school?
1: Well, I don't think it's justified at school. I think they're on a 24-hour clock now, not a nine to three clock anymore. I think that's part of the pressure that they're facing, that the clock doesn't stop because their access to social media is 24-7. I know Mm. they go to bed, but even then, um, even when they're sleeping these days, there's a sense of missing out, of being disconnected from what's happening because they know that social media continues. Mm. I think one of the big things that they're facing is the sense that they need to look to others for their sense of who they are, for their identity. Mm. Now we do typically do that at mm. this age group, as you said. Yep. It's peer to peer more, or peer to men- or, or self to mentor, mm. like youth group leader, etc. Mm. They're critical roles at this age and stage. But the absolute um, intensity of the visual images and the visual sense of perfection that's painted on social media. Makes it very difficult for them to understand how do I fit in? How do I blend into this seemingly perfect world of being presented as beautiful, trendy, successful, popular with all the likes? How do I get myself into that space when I know myself and I know I'm imperfect? Mm. And I know I can't present that consistently, and yet the perception is that it's a perfect world that we're stepping into. Mm, yeah. So there's a great deal of pressure.
0: Thanks, Bron. I actually was having a conversation with a cricket mum yesterday morning. Um, we were just talking. She's not a Christian. We were just having a discussion, and she said that she's, she has a 13-year-old daughter who, even when they say they're going to go out for dinner, she's like, oh, that's a sketchy place, Mum. And she's like what do you mean it's a sketchy place and I'm, I'm thinking through and quickly thinking through my mind why would she be saying that and I thought it's social media because the kids are sharing where they're going, the kids are looking on Instagram at food, I mean what? I mean, when I was 13 I thought it was great we had fish and chips on a Friday night <laughs> I <Like, laughs> wasn't turning my nose up at a restaurant because none of my other friends thought it was cool, well who even spoke about that but how many times do you see well, people taking photos of their food in restaurants or stuff like that? And it's really, it's, it's coming down to even in infecting the family life even in that way, which is really
1: interesting. Tamara, can I just challenge you? I think the people taking the photos of the food at restaurants are the parents. So we are actually setting up this criteria Amen. that our children are coming in under. Mm. This is not about children taking photos of food. Mm. So I think. We have to understand the context in which this Mm. is happening, and we are as absorbed in this world as they are. Amen. And we have not understood that. Mm. Um, So we've accepted it and taken it on. We had initial cautions, but we are are as, um, I think, driven by it in some ways as our young people are Mm. without even realising. We can see it in them. We don't tend to see it in ourselves. It's almost like they're holding a mirror up to us, isn't it? Yeah, if, if yeah. we're willing to look in the mirror, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so, could, just really briefly, because this is a really big topic, could you could you just share with us about social masking and what that is well, on social media and at school?
1: Sure. Well, you mentioned it to me and I actually Googled it. I um, thought, oh, yeah. OK, okay. what well, is social masking? <laughs> and social masking initially, originally, was something that... Uh, young people or people diagnosed on the autism spectrum do to present as a sense of sort of normality in their social world. They adopt certain behaviours Mm. because they don't come instinctively or naturally to them. So they adopt them and that's fine. That's what they do. It's it's a a way of managing Mm. their level of need. But what we do now, young people included, but adults as well, I suspect, Mm -hmm. is that we adopt a mask. We adopt a persona And we adopt a sense that what we're presenting to you via social media is our real world. Mm. Um, It's not our real world. And even in our real world, we're nervous to let down our guard. We're very nervous to be seen as people that have a need or people that may be broken in areas. We speak a lot about our successes and not a lot about our failures. And I think we create an unreal expectation for each other but also for our young people. Mm, Yeah.
0: And um, I think that it's so important for us to realise that I skipped a little bit of my sermon earlier on where I said that um, this isn't about pointing the finger at the church. And it's because if, you know, it's the old saying, if I point one finger at you, I'm pointing all the rest of my fingers back at me. And I don't know how many times I've gone down a rabbit hole on social media, especially on Facebook. It's like, oh, that person knows that person, knows that person, knows that. And, like, you know, there's no harm, real harm in that, except that it takes my legacy, my time, it, it takes my stewardship, it takes time that I could be spending with my children and my husband and the people that I love. But I could just as easily be going down a rabbit hole that is harmful. So it's not, it's not about me standing up here, thank you Bron, with my social mask on and saying I've got it all down pat and let me help you with your problem because it's my problem too and everybody that I speak to it's their problem as well so don't feel isolated if you feel like you don't have it together and it's not working well because as Bronwyn already shared it it kind of, we kind of tripped over it in a Mm -hmm. sense as a community and we got caught up in it, we've gotten caught up in it, but it's 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 time and it's okay to backpedal a little bit and go, okay, we're gonna reassess this situation.
1: I, I would see it as a challenge more than a problem because the problem, problem is something you can resolve and and deal with Mm. but this isn't going to go away so it's not like we can rewind and get to a world where we don't have social media and if it wasn't for social media I wouldn't be able to contact my son and daughter-in-law and grandson I love I love what I can do Um, and I'm a tiny bit attached to my phone Um, but it's more of a challenge than a problem in the sense that that then gives us the motivation to look at, well, how do I take on this challenge rather than how do I avoid this problem? Mm. Because that puts us in a no-win no, no win situation. Yeah. Yep. But challenge is great. a great thing because I love a challenge. I love a, a new challenge. Mm. And I think that what we recognise then is we might need some help to mm. overcome this challenge. So let's not do it by ourselves. I think that's when home groups are really important. And we talk to each other in home groups about the issues that we're having, the struggles that we're having, or just glean some more information from people who've gone ahead of us. Mm. One of the great blessings in my life has been my sister, who has raised her children five years ahead of me. Mm. And so I've leaned into her wisdom and leaned into her knowledge and her growth and her mistakes that she shared with me and her successes that she's had. So we've really partnered together in raising our children. And that's been a tremendous blessing. And that can happen in life group. It can happen in friendships. It can happen within family. Fabulous.
0: And so, Bron, I think you've covered the rest of the questions that I asked you. So, um, Can I say one more thing?
1: You sure <laughs> It's one of those things that, Bron, sit down. But um, what I say is I think the counter to the addiction with the need to be liked by people online is to be liked by the people that you live with. Hmm. We you, actually, sorry, Bron, can you say that again, please? I said, the counter to the addiction to being needed to be liked online is to know that you're liked by the people that you live with. Our children, by and large, know that we love them. That's a kind of done deal in a family that is functional and connected and committed to each other. And we say it, and it means a lot, but at about a year seven, eight, nine, ten age group, they become quite unlikable. (laughs) And it's it's very true. I don't know why God gave me the privilege of loving that age group. And I really do think they're extraordinary. But what I did recognise about them is that they desperately need to be liked, Hmm. not just loved. Now, if you like someone, you like spending time with them. You don't spend time with them because it's a thing you do, you have to do. It's because you want to. And you find out things about them that are connected to you, that you enjoy participating in, that that really you can share in, that there's enjoyment, not just going through the motions of parenting. Mm -hmm. To be liked by the people who you live with is a really grounding thing. It's a place of belonging where you're not striving. They're absolutely exhausted in striving to be liked by everyone. Mm. Let's just give them a core group of people who love them and yeah. who really like them. And that's a big thing I think yeah. we can do. Yeah. Thanks well, so much.
0: Well, thanks, Bron. I am going to ask you to sit down, but not because I don't think you have anything else to share. I just think we could talk about it all day, couldn't we? You're so, Bron, I just find Bron so wise. She's one of the women, when I see her, I'm like, oh, Bron, I've got this question. Can you tell me what you do? And, and that's the other thing that Bron's talking about. Don't think you have to have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. But I know that there's wisdom in those who are around me that I can go to and ask, hey, how did you do this? And sometimes, how did you do this? And it didn't work. So I don't fall into the same pitfalls that you might have found yourself in. Not that I'm saying Bronwyn's falling into pitfalls. (laughs) But, you know, like, even when I went and met with her during the week, she's like, wow, Tamara, from when Gabby started middle school, so much has changed. From the talk that I gave you, it would be close to 10 years ago that you heard. Things have even changed since then. So don't be scared to ask, ask people around you how to help you with this. Now we're getting cl- close for time. I've got so much more to share. Um, so I'm skipping a bit here. And Gabby, could, could I just have... Like, my daughter Gabby's going to come up and share with us because just briefly... Come up, Dale. Um, Just briefly, from that conversation that that Bron had um, when we were heading into middle school, it really helped Andrew and I, my husband, to sit down and solidify, okay, so what are we going to do in our home? And guys, this needs to be something that you come to together like a stone wall because it's okay to discuss it with your kids and actually I would say you should discuss it with your kids Collaborative parenting will always be a great way to get your kids on board with boundaries, even though they're still gonna push them. At least they settled on being happy there to start with. And so what we need to know is, as parents, there's gonna be times you're gonna have to be like an immovable brick or stone wall, isn't there? Like, is there any parent here who hasn't had to link arms with the other parent and go, we're in this together, and they're not going to push us apart, right? Amen. And so, as Andrew and I discussed devices and social medias, we came up with some rules. So it even stands today, 10 years on, um, with Gabby's younger siblings, we do half an hour of device time a day. That's it. They get half an hour. Do they like it? No. Do they know that's the rule? Yes. Do they push the boundaries and sneak on? Yes. Are there consequences when they do that? Yes. Do Andrew and I link arms and say, that is the rule, tough luck. Yes, we do. And do you know what? If you ask them about it, they'll tell you the rule. They'll tell you why that's the rule. And they'll tell you they hate it. But exhibit A.
2: (laughs) The perfect child.
0: (laughs) Not the perfect child. (laughs) So... That was a really quick way to get through some of my stuff. So, Gab, tell yes. us. What were... I just briefly said what were yes. the rules. Can you remember anything else that was encompassed in... Oh, sorry, no social media in middle school years. That
2: was the one I was going to say.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Complete blanket. None. You, like, when I thought about my 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old coming home from school after being switched on all day long... Guys, coming home from work. Imagine that. Coming home from work, being switched on all day having to work and then bringing their little 12 and 13-year-old brains home and still having to perform. Okay? That was not for my child. Now, that could be for your child. You could be happy to set boundaries around time and, um, and, and keeping a watch over what they're doing. But our decision was no. Middle school years, no. Okay. So, can you think of anything
2: else? Um, I don't know, if it was, was it middle school or was it when we turned 15?
0: It, it, which is kind of yeah. the same. Thing. And well, even then I... it was kind of negotiable, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, so yeah. I'll just give some context, though, very quickly. So back when I was in middle school, I so I moved to BCC. Um, from going to a public school so I went from public school to a Christian school um, every a lot of people already knew each other so social media was a really big thing in trying to get to know people I think if you weren't already in the cohort we had Instagram there was Facebook but not many people my age use Facebook yet there was this thing called kick I don't know if people remember that but it was like in place of Facebook messenger you like message people on kick I think that was it okay yeah.
0: And um, did you find the boundaries that we had set for you tough, hard? Were there any negative things associated with that?
2: Um, like, yes, it was tough sometimes. I think it was especially if, like, I wanted to talk to somebody or sometimes you go to a sleepover and there'd be a lot of pressure where your friends would be like, oh, like, let's talk to this person. I'd be like, well, I can't because I don't have it. Mum and sorry, mum and dad also wouldn't let us have a phone until we were able to buy it ourselves and pay for the credit ourselves. And um, they didn't let us have a device until we were probably we were allowed to have our first thing at nine or something. But for me, it wasn't a device. It was like I had a Leap Pad, and then I got older, and then I got that, a. At pod. six, she got a Leap Pad at nine. Okay. It was
0: like a. It was like, like an iPod MP3 or something, or something, like something. Like that, yeah. And then
2: eventually I got an iPod. Um, but, yeah, it was a little bit tough. Sometimes there was peer pressure, but there's always peer pressure in everything. Um, and, yeah, just, I guess, tough in the sense that sometimes being a kid and not understanding, I was like, Mum and Dad don't care about me because they won't let me have social media.
0: <laughs> I was prepared to be the bad guy because mm. it was really important to us. OK, what were... What were some of the positive things? Even like not now, but back then when you were in the middle of it, what were some positive things that...
2: I was going to say now, but okay, I'll try and think about that. Um, so, can I say both? Are you going to ask me about now? Okay,
0: yeah, the next question was in hindsight.
2: Okay. How do you feel about... Sorry, I forgot what the questions were. That's worth. okay. So, um, back then it was good because as Mum said, I think even if you don't realize it as kids you do want to have a time where you can just switch off and there was that peer pressure there but because mum and dad had said you couldn't i couldn't i was able to use them as an excuse and say like when my friends were like oh why aren't you on this and they'd be like because teenage girls can be a little bit nasty sometimes um i'd be able to be like oh you know mum and dad don't want me to in my head, sometimes I'd be like, thank you. Thank goodness that so I don't have to do that. Um, so that was good um, because like, I think what mum didn't touch on is, especially when you're a teenager, like when you're trying to figure out who you are, you're trying to make friends. Sometimes you're trying to like, like you're trying to work out the opposite sex as well and whether you like, like who you like and stuff. So I remember sometimes you like met, cause I used to get social media sometimes and mum and dad wouldn't know
0: perfect first
2: child um <laughs> i'd sneak it onto my phone because i'd want to talk to somebody but then you're like laying in bed at night and i i struggle with some anxiety sometimes and i would get so anxious like waiting for someone to message me you know and it affects my set that affected my sleep just on like a, a physical level of that Um, But, yeah, in hindsight, I I think looking back at it, like, it was good that I was able to switch off. But on a deeper level than that, I was going to touch on the fact that I think parents do need to be prepared to be the bad guy Um, because... Not just because it's better for your children, but it actually opens up opportunities for conversation. So if your kid... It doesn't... Like, I was a kid that was very much upfront about that kind of stuff. So I'd be like, Mum and Dad, I don't like this. And then I would be open to Mum and Dad talking to me about it. I realise not all kids are like that. Some kids will just be like, I hate you. And they'll walk into their room and slam the door and they won't want to listen to you. But eventually I think all kids will come around to the point where they will want to understand it. Mm. They will want to have a conversation with you about it. And so actually being able to understand why mum and dad weren't letting me do this, it's actually affected me in my adult life as well. I don't know this for sure. I'm doing psychology at uni at the moment, so I'm like thinking about all these things. Um, but I know for me, I feel like it's made me think more about social media. It's made me more aware of it. It's made me think about devices. and so. I'll catch up with my friends sometimes and most of my friends... Yeah, I know. This is my last thing. (laughs) Most of my friends, I'll see them when I go and catch up with them. They'll sit with their phone on the table, check it every now and again. But for me, I've been able to think about it. I've done some research into it. So when I'm with a friend, most of the time I actually put my phone away. Because I want to have that engaged one-on-one time with them. And I think that so many young people today are actually addicted to their phones Mm. or addicted to their devices. And adults. And adults. Mm -hmm. I'm an adult now. (laughs) Um, Because they haven't had that time where they've had to learn how to socially interact. So they rely on their devices as a crutch and as something that is going to help them get through social situations. Thank you.
0: And, you know, it's, this is the generation. This is the first generation. Gabby represents the first generation that was raised with all of this. And so, Andrew and I didn't do it perfectly. We didn't. There's stuff, you know, we perhaps could have been a little bit more collaborative in the approach that we had with them. But, um, but hearing today that kids need those boundaries, They need you to be the bad guy. Um, I've got a girlfriend who has done some um, community parenting groups and she she shared with me one day that there's two things that make a great parent. And in fact, I would say there's two things that make a great leader because let's face it, parents are just leaders. So if you've switched off because we've been talking about families, switch back on again for a minute. There's two things that make great leaders, especially in family. One is... You are meaningfully engaged. And 14-year-olds and 15-year-olds and sometimes people you're leading in ministry and sometimes people that you're leading in your workplace do not express they want you to be meaningfully engaged in their lives. In fact, they're slamming the door, they're telling you they hate you, they're um, maybe asking you to stop looking over their shoulder, let them get on with it, Maybe they're, um, they're hiding something from you in ministry because uh, they know that you're gonna call them out on it. But our kids need us to be, and people we're leading need us to be meaningfully engaged in their lives, even when they're telling us they don't want us to be. Get out of here, I hate you, you don't know what you're talking about, you don't understand me. You are the grown up. You have the control and the power and you need to stay meaningfully engaged in your children's lives. It's not always easy. The second thing is, like Gabby said, you need to be prepared to be the bad guy. Hey, if it took Gabby to say, my parents are so strict and they won't let me have social media and I so wish that they would do something different and that's why I don't have it. Bring it on every minute of the day. If that's how I protect my child, they need to use me as a boundary between them and the world, I'm all for it. Let it happen. If I'm the parent that has to say, hand the device over, that doesn't belong in your bedroom. You can't have that there. That device is an open book. Give it to me. And I find things on it that are not appropriate. And I'm the bad guy because now I want to talk to them about it. And I want to teach them what God's word says about them. And I want to show my sons that women um, are mothers and daughters and aunts. They're not something for them to be goggling at. And if I want to choose to tell my daughter that that person that she's looking at and following on social media because she's a bodybuilder and she's got the perfect body, if I want to tell her, I need, I need to see that to know, to explain to her, that's fake, that's not real. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what our God says about you. And parents, maybe there's some grown-ups out there that need to hear that too. Yeah. Stop comparing yourself. Yeah. I had a conversation with a non-Christian mum at the school who she was juggling with her kids, getting them out of the car. And I said, how are you going? She broke down in tears. I said, well, what's wrong? And she said, I see online all these mums and their lives are perfect and their laundry's clean and put away and there's no pile of clean laundry there and their kids are always dressed immaculately. Don't look at my kids with their hair going everywhere. And, um, and their, their, their homes are decorated beautifully and here I am with snot and dribble on my clothes coming to the school because I've got a baby and my house is a mess and I don't have any family who lives here because I'm married to a man from overseas and I just feel like my world is falling apart and I don't know what to do. And I said to her, darling, it's not real. It's not real. Mums and dads and grandparents and aunties and uncles, it's not real. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image. And he doesn't care if there's a pile of clean laundry piling up. He doesn't care if there's a pile of dirty laundry piling up. He doesn't care. The world tells us to care. And yes, there's some stuff that we've got to get done. But the truth is, whatever is good, whatever is noble, think on these things, not about how I can decorate my house to be better than someone else or how I can dress my kids so that they look better. These things don't matter. They don't leave a legacy to our kids. Do we want our kids to think that the thing that they have to do is have a perfectly clean house? Do we want our sons to think that they have to be great sportsmen or that they have to be engineers? What do we want for our kids? What do we want for ourselves? We want faith, love our God with all our heart and all our mind and all our soul. And we want them to love others as they love themselves. And that doesn't look like social media. And it doesn't look like the fake perfect world. And we have to have these conversations. They have to be happening. They have to be happening in our life groups. They have to be happening in our mums groups. Grandparents, you need to be having these conversations with your grandchildren. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by our Lord. And don't you ever let on the online world tell you that you are less than that. Because you are not. And parents, you are not either. So what can we do? Let's wrap this up. What can we do? One, we have to talk to our kids. We have to talk to those we lead. I had a conversation with Gabby when she was about 11 years old, probably just before she hit that middle school age, and I said to her, Gab, you know what, right now you feel like we, your nuclear family, is the most important thing in your life. You care what we say. What we do is important to you. But there is a time that is coming when that is not going to be the case and what your peers think and the people you go to school with, they're going to be the most important part of your world. Do you remember this conversation, Gabby? We're in the car. I remember it clearly. today. She looked at me. She's like, no way. Yeah. No, never. That's not going to happen. And I said to her, you mark my word. You remember this conversation. Because when this happens, I want you to know, I knew it was going to happen. Remember, I am wise, maybe, wiser than you. And I know these things about you. And so when you get there and you look back, ah, mum knew. Okay, so maybe she knows a thing or two. Don't forget that. Talk to your kids. Tell them. Don't be scared to tell them about stuff. Be up front. I've got wisdom. I know what's coming. You don't. And when you're there, I still know what's coming and you don't. So you might not like, I mean, I've had conversations with my kids where they've said, "Mom, you've spoken to us about this so many times. I'm like, yep, and you're going to hear it again because that's my job. You know, I'm going to talk to you about drinking. I'm going to talk to you about drugs. I'm going to talk to you about everything. I don't care if your ears bleed. It is my job. And I am, I have the power and I have my places to protect you and to make you good citizens. (laughs) I've got the power power. and if you don't feel like you've got the power take it back (laughs) don't let a 12 year old walk all over you maybe you don't feel empowered in your world or a 23 year old (laughs) you have the power and parents take it back if you don't feel like you've got it and apologise to your kids because do you know what it's not their fault There is no problem, child. (laughs) Remember the mirror thing? (laughs) (laughs) If you have a Look, I've got kids that are stubborn. I've got kids who tell me, make me. Go to bed. Make me. I can't make you. You're too big for me to carry you. But let me tell you what's going to happen if you don't. Guess what? That kid pushes the boundaries enough to realise that mum's serious and I don't like the consequences that she's going to give me if I don't do what I'm told. I give the consequences, I walk away. It's up to them. It's collaborative parenting. <laughs> you get to make a choice, but here's your two, two choices. Guys, do it. It might take a few times of having to give the consequences really tough, but let me tell you, you get, you, learn, you get to the point where you can just say, I can't make you, but if you don't do it, you're grounded for two weeks and you walk away. And the child, nine times out of ten, will make the right decision because I have the power. In your workplace, okay, you may not choose to be quite so stern as you would with your kids, but if you're the boss, you've got the power. If you've got an employee who's, you know on their phone all the time or on social media or maybe talking down about your business, you have the power. Take it back. Don't be parents that are bystanders. Your kids desperately, desperately need you. Your kids desperately need you. Because let's go back to one more principle, um, the Corinthians, just to just to wind us up here. Joel, you got that Corinthians? How are we going there? Here's your kids. I've got the right to do anything. But not everything is beneficial. And I have the right to do anything, you might say, but not everything is constructive. We need to be constantly passing our stuff through that filter as well, especially when we're talking to our kids about stuff. Is it beneficial? Is it constructive? You know what? Under grace, we have the right to... You know, Jesus said what you know he fulfilled the law we're not under law anymore so now we get to set our own boundaries kind of we need to be obedient but um, your boundaries for your family will be different to my boundaries for mine and that's okay but is it beneficial and is it constructive and so um, just to finish I'd like to address um, the parents of young children in the room under middle school age. Because this is something that I see and I know it's something that uh, is difficult for me not to do. But sometimes we use technology as a babysitter. Ouch. Please give me grace because I know that, you know, us parents of young children, it's really hard not to do this. But what are you setting your kids up for? If if you're going out for coffee with a friend and you throw a device at them to keep them quiet, are they learning face-to-face communication as they watch you interact with your friend? If you're out to dinner and you throw a device at them to keep them quiet, how are you including them in that family time? How are they getting to love one another? How are they hearing about your faith? It's hard, I get it. I used to carry around matchbox cars, balloons, colouring in pencils, in my handbag. And there's times when you ha- I mean, I get it. There's times when you just need them to be quiet because there's something important happening and you might flick them a device. But please, parents, please, for the sake of your children, learn a different way because they're going to get to middle school. They're going to get to adulthood. And they need skills. And it's, it's not their fault if they don't have them. It's not their fault if they don't have them. You know, I was um Steve's looking at his watch, sorry. I was in the worship night last night and I was praying about this sermon and I said, God, anyone can give this talk. Any mainstream person can talk about technology and social media and how it's not good for our kids and how it's not good for us. Please tell me what is it. Worship team, can you just come up? Please tell me what is it? Why me? Why in the church? Come up. Why in the church? Why are we talking about this today? And he said to me, because you're not fighting flesh and blood, but principalities. And there is a war on in the heavenlies right now for us and for our kids. And if we are too distracted to know about it, we're going to miss the power that we have in raising kids that have faith and leaving the legacy that God has called us to. So let's not get so distracted and let's not let them get so distracted that we miss the opportunities that God has given us to steward well. And as we wrap up, I'm, I'm going to try and start a, socia- a social media um, conversation online. This is where social media is great. It's not the bad guy, guys. I want to start to talk to parents and older people. And let's start talking about what we've done. Let's help each other. Let's talk about the balloons in the handbag. Let's talk about this accountability that we've put up for ourselves to stop ourselves going down in rabbit holes. And let's just be a family who want to help each other out with a tricky situation. Bless you guys.